Jesus walks with us, right? He says, come walk with me. I'm going to journey alongside of you. I want to show you wonderful, unsearchable things that you do not know. Today, this afternoon, it's going to be kind of a part two of that message. Um, my family and I were at a wedding yesterday. We were driving up um, to Scarborough Way, and I, I said to my mom and brother, I said, you know what? Tomorrow's message is very similar. I'm kind of having deja vu a little bit, but that's a good thing. That's a good thing, because when we pour through Scripture, there's a lot of common themes, right? There's a common narrative. God is working through the course of human history, and that means he's working in each one of our lives. And so there's going to be a lot of similarities as we look at a few things here today. So we're singing these songs, I'm going to see a victory, for the battle belongs to the Lord. How many of you believe that God wants to bring you to a place of promise? He wants to bring you to a place of destiny. Amen. And so that is what we're going to look at today right in Joshua. He is working on things. He's building our faith as so that we have a resolve to walk into that place of promise and destiny. So as we lead into Joshua chapter 1, what's happening here is Moses has passed on. Incredible Moses who in um, Deuteronomy chapter 34, it says that no one did signs or mighty acts like Moses did. But the time had come where God told Moses in chapter 34, he says, see this land that I am giving my people. And he shows them this incredible 400 mile territory. And he shows Moses all this, but he says, you will not enter it. And so there's a change here. There's a secession from Moses to Joshua. And Joshua is about to have the opportunity to lead God's chosen people into the promised land across the river. Now maybe you're, you know, a Bible reader. I'm sure we all are. And you're reading, you're like, well, wait a second. Moses couldn't enter the land because of something that happened. And that's true. That brings me to the first point. Sometimes we make mistakes or missteps but it doesn't negate God fulfilling his promises. We see here in, in chapter 34, you know, we're going to go there just for a second, even though I'm giving a little bit of the background. I think it'll highlight for us that the emphasis here isn't on Moses' error, but focusing on God's promise of fulfillment that he gave to Moses. So in chapter 34, he says, that Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Philgath, which faces Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land, Galeed as far as Dan, and all of Nephelti, and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, and the land of Judah as far as the Mediterranean Sea. The Negev and the plain in the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms as far as Zohar. The Lord then said to him, this is the land I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your own eyes, but you will not cross into it. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the Lord's word. He buried him in the valley in the land of Moab facing Beth Puar, and, and no one to this day knows where his grave is. Why would God do such a thing? And as I'm reading through this thing, I'm, I'm writing down notes, I'm looking at a few commentaries, and you know, commentaries, they can be wonderful, but everyone has so many different opinions. 
And for me, as I'm reading it to me, almost as plain as day, God is saying the point wasn't that Moses messed up. The point here is that I'm fulfilling promise. And he showed Moses that promise. But then what comes up next is it says in verse 9, Then Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. To me, this screams and shouts that we need to have a secession plan. We need to have the people that we're speaking life into, the people we're bringing alongside on the journey with us because God wants to use all kinds of people. It wasn't meant to always just be Moses, as incredible as the signs and mighty acts that he did. God wants to use all his people. And that gives me hope. That gives me hope that just as he used Moses, he used Joshua. He wants to use you and I. Now, yeah, Moses laid his hands on Joshua, and there was a a commissioning, if you will, an anointing that took place. You know, on the other side of the cross and the resurrection, or preceding the cross, resurrection. But now that you and I have the Holy Spirit, we, all of us, have that anointing that gift to minister in the places and spheres of influence. And like Moses, sometimes we have a misstep, as I already emphasized. And so we're going to go there really quickly to see how this misstep, like what happened? Why couldn't he enter? In Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 51, we're told this, for both of you broke faith with me among the Israelites. And here they're speaking of Moses and Aaron. At the waters of Merbath, Kadesh, in the wilderness of Zin, by failing to treat me as holy in their presence. You know, sometimes we get upset. Sometimes we get frustrated. The Israelites had been on this exodus. They've been led out of Egypt. There's been all this crazy stuff going on. A little bit of bitterness has sprung up, and there's no water, and they're very upset, and they're lay, you know, putting blame at the feet of Moses. And as any leader, when you have a group of people that are complaining, after a while, it can etch away at you. And after a while, you're like, enough of this. Look what God says just preceding to this. In Numbers chapter 20, verse 9. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he had commanded him. Moses and Aaron summoned the assembly in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. Must we bring water out of this rock for you? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff so that abundant water gushed out and the community and their livestock drank. Now preceding this, God met with Moses in his tent. That's where God would speak and chat with, uh, Moses would chat with God in the tent and they would have a conversation what God wanted to do in their midst. And he told them, I'm going to provide for them. Just take the staff in your hand, hit the rock, and out will come water. Well, Moses went beyond that. He's frustrated. He's like, not only am I going to strike the rock, I'm going to strike it twice, and I'm going to, you know, lay blame in a way of the feet of these irritable people. You rebels. You rebels. And God saw this. He didn't forget this. And he says this to Moses and Aaron. Because you did not trust me to demonstrate my holiness in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this assembly into the land I have given them. These are the waters of Meribath, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord, and he demonstrated his holiness to them. The reason why I'm sharing this is when God's walking with us, sometimes we get 
irritable. We get stressed out. The people of God were no different. God knew this. And so he was going to provide for them. And even though he had already led them out of the hands of Pharaoh, already parted the Red Sea, you know, drowned their um, enemy who was engaging after them, even after all these things, sometimes we can have a forgetful memory. And so he's going to show them, not only am I the God who did all of that, I'm also the God who's going to provide water for you. But Moses went beyond that. And so God didn't forget that misstep. That's why he couldn't go into the land of promise. But he didn't hold that, if you will, completely against Moses. I think it foreshadows the importance of what we have in Jesus. That in Jesus, we are forgiven once and for all. He forgets our sins as far as the east is from the west. And Moses, he didn't have that luxury. They had this obligation, the covenant with God, that they had to check all the boxes, if you will. So we look at this side of the cross, this incredible amount of uh, mercy and grace that we have. It's wonderful, isn't it? It's wonderful. And so again, the first point was that we have missteps, but that doesn't negate God fulfilling his promise in our life. And so before we go to Joshua 1, check out this flashback that the Lord said to Abram, who we know as Abraham. In Genesis 12, verse 1, he says, Go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land I will show you. Chapter 15, verse 18, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, I give you this land to your offspring, from the brook of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates River. And so we see here, just preceding Joshua 1, God has showed him this incredible territory, the 400 or so miles. And when we have really this luxury that we can look at Scripture, have this hindsight view of seeing how God, even in missteps of people, was intricately involved using different people to fulfill his purpose, that he would follow through on those promises. And so we can truly say to each other, God never falls short of fulfilling a promise. When's the last time you could truly say, oh no, he left me down. He, he told this day, this time, this second, he let me down. And if you're able to say that, stop and pause for a moment. Well, where am I in that mix? Could I have possibly been like Moses, maybe a little bit irritable, maybe a little bit stressed out, and for a moment, it took things upon yourself. And these are the things that I was speaking to myself as I was reading through this passage. You know, how many times do I thrust myself into the equation? Even in frustration, it happens, right? It happens. And so point two, with all of this in mind, we're a team of misfits. We're a team of misfits. Thank God he's working in and through us. So Joshua chapter one, we're going to read through this for a moment. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, and all the land of the Hittites, and to the west of the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. God, I love that. I will not leave you or 
abandon you. That must give them comfort knowing, wait, Moses, God's servant, he, he's dead. He wasn't able to cross over. But he's saying he's with us. That must have brought some reassurance to them. He says, be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to the fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night, so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I am with you. You know, when we go through those difficult situations, those times in our life, that word of promise is like sweet sugar. All of us, I know each one of us has stories of moments in time that have been immensely difficult. And just knowing those words that God is with us, what does it do to your heart? How does it stir your soul? You know, many times uh, there's been different circumstances. There's been, you know, crazy just, oh my gosh, how did that even happen? And I'm just so tremendously thankful for the tangible presence of God. And as I was preparing this message and looking how God, you know, even our missteps, he's working with us, he promises to be with us, that we're a team of misfits, that it's incredible this promise that is echoed through time from the time of Adam and Eve in the garden to Abraham, to Moses, Joshua, all the prophets, all the way to Christ on the cross to right before he ascended saying, I am with you wherever you go to the end of the age. To the end of the age. So I want to read a few scriptures and allow scripture to wash over us as we continue to look through this story. First Chronicles 28 verse 20 says this, Then David said to his son Solomon, Be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He won't leave you or abandon you until all the work for the service of the Lord's house is finished. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them, for the Lord your God is the one who will go with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Genesis 28, 15. Look, I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. Psalms 55, 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. There's this ongoing theme. He won't allow you to be shaken. He's with you, reminding us in that situation, don't be terrified. It might seem insurmountable, but you're going to overcome this. I'm going to see you across this river. Matthew 28, 20. Teaching them to observe everything, Christ said, I have commanded you. Remember that I am with you always to the end of the age. In the verse we read here earlier as we were singing in worship, Romans 8, 28, we know that in him, 
He works all things together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. And so when we know that he's with us in our missteps, that the word is assembled team that make missteps, but yet he's with us. He promises to go before us that we'll never be shaken. What can we do with that? We can be like the Israelites who are looking across the river and say, let's go. I don't know fully what's on that side, but if God is for me, we can overcome anything, any obstacle. So let's continue reading. In verse 10, it says, Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get provisions ready for yourselves, for within three days you'll be crossing the Jordan to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you to inherit. And Joshua said to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Messiah, Remember what Moses, the Lord's servant, commanded you when he said, The Lord your God will give you rest, and he will give you this land. And what I love about the last part of verse 13, Remember what Moses, the Lord your servant, commanded you when he said, The Lord your God will give you rest. He will give you this land. There's times we have to put the work in. Rest follows the work. I mean, we know this very well. We all go to work every day. You know, the alarm goes off. We, we hopefully brush our teeth, you know, put our clothes on, head out the door, and do the work that we, you know, have been asked to do or commissioned to do. We come home and we rest. Here Joshua is telling his people, okay, we have this promise. We're going over there. There's work to be done. So they're trusting. They're resting God's promise. There's work to be done. We're going to head across the Jordan. And what shouts to me as I was reading this, that when it's God's will, when it's his plan, his initiative, however you want to, you know, dress it up, you can't stop it. You can't stop what God has set in his mind that he's going to do. This is what's amazing because on the other side of this river, there's all kinds of crazy going on. There's groups and tribes of people who sacrifice children to their gods. They, they, they're warring with each other and it's craziness. And yet knowing that God is with them, you can't stop it. Look at verses, again, uh, six through nine. When he talks about meditating on the word, the instruction of Moses. He says, do not turn from it to the right or left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You're to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe written everything in it. This side of the cross, you and I, we have the living word of God that when we're going through something, we can park for a moment and turn to his word and allow those living words wash over us, bind us together and encourage us for what lays ahead today. I love what David said, one of um, God's chosen commissioned kings of Israel. He says in Psalm 119.11, I have treasured your word, O God, in my heart so they may not sin against you. The incredible truth is, right, that we do sin. God sees that, just like with Moses, that misstep. But there's an incredible and richness and treasure when we meditate on the word of God because it can keep us from going right or left, from misstepping, if you will. I remember a master's commission. Forgive me, I can't remember if I shared this story last week. Um, but every day... We would start the morning 
in the prayer room. It was, it was a sanctuary, similar to this, a little bit bigger, but similar. And for an hour every morning, there'd be worship music playing, and we would set aside that time to pray and to read scripture and allow it to speak to our hearts. And you could almost guarantee it that that day, regardless of where you turned in your Bible, that God would speak to you. And in many times, he would reorientate our thinking on how maybe we saw things, even incorrectly at times. And I remember I would talk to a few of my, my buddies, Nathan Nace, who John and our family know well. Uh, he was from the Norfolk County uh, region. We went to this program together, and uh, we would talk about what God spoke to us from the word. And one of the stories that just really amazed me, again, was this emphasis here, was that God had this plan to have a successor that Joshua would follow after Moses and that he can use anyone. He can use anyone. And so there's something that the Jews would do when they would recite, when they would meditate the law of God. They would not only read it as we, you know, each one of us reads scripture, but they would move their lips as they read. So they would read it and not speak it audibly, but they would still move their lips some sort of, you know, rehearsing, this recital uh, means that they would do in order to remember what they were reading. And as I'm looking at it, I thought, wow, this is great. They're getting more than just one part of their, their self involved in this process. And of course, it got me thinking about other aspects, even in a place of worship. You know, we sing, we read the words on the screen, but something happens when maybe you, you raise your hands a little bit. Something happens when maybe you, you clap your hands a little bit. The same thing as they would read and meditate on scripture. As they're reading over it, they're moving their lips. It allows this to involve more of self. And I realized for myself every day when I was in this prayer room, it wasn't just a time of prayer. It was a time of reading scripture. And when you combine these things together, it was a game changer. To the point where I'm so thankful for that leadership group. They had us memorize, get this, 300 scriptures that year in order to graduate. <laughs> and we had to write it all out by hand. So by, you know, that 300th scripture, your arm felt like it was going to fall off. And I, I have to say, we, we wrote 100 scriptures at a time, not all 300. I don't know, I don't know how you could do that. But even at the time, it seemed insurmountable. But our, our leader, our pastor said to us, it's going to be worth it. I promise you, because he would always say and insist, look at the people in China. They don't have a written word. Majority of them don't have the written word of God. So whenever they get a chance to go over the word, if they can get their hands on even a piece of it, they'll memorize it. They'll recite it so they can, you know, recall it when they need it the most. And so we remembered that and then started to, you know, take these words when we would face difficult situations. And so memorizing scripture can be done. If you're here and you're like, man, I can't even memorize a few scriptures, let alone maybe a whole passage. It's possible. And I really believe that as God is speaking to Joshua saying, you know, meditate on these things, you know, day and night, it changes things. So if you're here today and you're thinking, how can I draw closer to God? Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you have to read an abundance amount of scripture and memorize, you know, so many numbers of passages. 
but it does something to our spirit. It does something. It's important. Let's go to Psalm 1 uh, for a moment. Psalm 1, 1 through 3. The psalmist writes this, How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. And look at this promise that when we meditate on Scripture, he is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prosper. And so here, just like God's saying to Joshua, as you recite these, these words, as you meditate on them, you will flourish. You will be successful in the land that I am giving you. So essentially, you and I, we're all in this together. We're like the musketeers by that great author that penned the three musketeers, all for one and one for all. Here we see that from Moses to Joshua and all the Israelites, they're banding together to cross this river. And so the, the walking notes, if you will, for today is, as whatever river that's in front of you, whatever river God is calling you to cross, you know that promise that destiny that lays on the other side. Remember that he's with you, but you're not alone in that journey. We're, we're called to encourage one another, to walk along each other, right? To go across, to step our feet into the stream, into the river, if you will, to lay a hold of that promise. And so the next time that the, the enemy, the devil wants to say, no, 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 like you misstepped, God, oh God, I got you now. You're not going to enter in the promised land. He tried that. The author of Jude accounts this story, which apparently got lost in some manuscripts, where it was talking about Lucifer the devil arguing with one of the archangels, Michael, about the body of Moses. And they're saying in one of these lost manuscripts, commentators will say that the devil was saying, no, no, remember when Moses, when he struck the rock, you know, he can't enter into any kind of promise or provision because of what he did. In a similar fashion, the enemy of our souls wants to take out our history book, if you will. Even though Jesus said, that is forgiven, that's your past, and no longer defines you. But the devil wants to take that thing out. He wants to open the book in front of you and say, see? See? And he wants to try and knock you down a bunch of notches. But at the end of the day, the most important thing that matters, that great promise, is that your name is in the, is in the Lamb's book of life. And so knowing that, when you see again across that river, that destiny, that promise that he's spoken to you, and only you know those promises that he's spoken in your heart outside of salvation and victory over various sin issues. He calls us to different things. Some of us are called to be you know, entrepreneurs and, and sphere of influence in our vocations. Whatever those things are, whatever those promises are, don't lose heart of it. Don't lose track of those things because he will bring it to pass. When I left Evergreen and this, this vision, this dream of a church plant was on the horizon, you better believe that the enemy was trying to sow these seeds of doubt, like, no, that'll never get off the ground. No, like, you don't really need another church. There's all these other churches. You know what? And trying to discredit you or disqualify you from walking into that place of promise that God wants to bring you through. 
And I really believe that because, you know, even with family, we stuck through the course, as each one of you have stuck through that course, that God is now, he's showing us what lays on the other side of that river. And so hope for today, this is just the beginning. We're coming into contact with people from all walks and shapes of life that are hearing the gospel message. Their life is being transformed. Sometimes we hear those wonderful stories and sometimes we don't. But we can rest in the fact that God is using us, the misfits. We're team members that God has assembled together for a time such as this. And so I end this message to really say thank you. To say thank you for your partnership. To say thank you that we are just beginning with hope for today. And I know, you know, as you look to your right or left, that sometimes you can be dissuaded and being like, you know, I thought there'd be a lot more people here by now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's all summer. It's holidays. But suffice to say, I think we can take, if you will, what God is saying to Joshua. Don't look to your right. Don't look to your left. But look straight ahead at what the promise that I have for you that I want to work in your midst and show you things that you do not know. Wonderful, unsearchable things. So I'm going to close with this verse. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 5, all of us, I'm sure, know this really well. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the Philippians, the believers in Philippi, and he says this, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. We're a work in progress. Our best days are ahead of us. And anytime Satan wants to stick his head up and speak to the, you know, the, the negative, speak to the opposite of that, say, no, I know who is my king. I know who has called me. And he's going to work all things together for my good. Because he loves me and he has called me according to his good purpose. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that regardless of even what I share, even preparation, I, I know that your Holy Spirit is you know, working inside of me and and bringing things to mind, to, to write down and to share with the wonderful people here this afternoon. And with all that, God, I ask that exactly what you would have take root and to be deposited in each person here this afternoon, I ask that that would exactly happen, Lord Jesus. Lord, that these words from your word would minister to each of our hearts here today, to our mind, and would quicken us, as your word says, to be messengers of your gospel. That it'll wash over us, it'll bind us, quicken us. If I may say, embolden us in the places that we go. And Lord, I pray for each believer here this afternoon as we come into even election season. We know with elections, things can get dicey at times. Conversations are had. Lord, I pray even for myself that you will help me and, and those here to be able to... Um, tame our, our tongue to say what it is that we, we need to be saying from your word as we give encouragement, Lord, as we pray for our leaders in the election to come. And, and Lord, I thank you what you're doing in this place. I thank you for each family represented here with hope for today. And Lord, those who are not here today, 
Lord, I thank you for all the words of encouragement, the words saying that they're, they're partnered, they're in this for the long haul. I thank you. And Lord, I ask that you will continue to guide us. Lord, we know we're going to face giants. We know there's things going to be, you know, across many rivers that you're leading us to cross. And Lord, we thank you that you go before us. Lord, that you're preparing our way. And so we worship you. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Be honored with our life. May you be lifted up. In Jesus' name. Amen.